So we are doing a series at the moment on extravagance and really looking into God's character and seeing how extravagant he is in, all the, in who he is and then how he deals with us as well. And uh, Taiwo kicked off our series two weeks ago um, and this morning I'm going to be looking at extravagant peace, extravagant peace. So I'd like just to pray before we start looking into this. Father God, I thank you that by your spirit you've been so closely with us this morning. I thank you you've spoken to us. And I invite you, Lord, to multiply my words this morning. That we may have a rich feast in your word. And that we may experience your extravagance this morning that you will give us an insight into your nature, your character, and your extravagance as a loving father. And I pray you open our hearts to step into that and experience that for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's first ask, how might the world try and find peace? What might the world be looking at? What about meditation? Some people would say that you have to meditate, that you have to perhaps sit cross-legged, put your hands out, try and empty your mind of all things. You might try and hum to yourself and you might find peace that way. Or, more often in the news nowadays, more modern, is mindfulness, where you try and Be present in every situation. You try and experience the fullness of what's happening going around you, aware of your emotions, aware of your senses, and that might bring you peace. It might be breathing exercises. You might sit calmly. Breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. And that might be a place where you find peace, where people in the world find peace. And certainly, physiologically, that does help. Lower blood pressure, lower heart rate, and all that sort of stuff. But breathing exercises. What about this one? It's pronounced, I believe, huga. So I went into the bookshop this week to find out what the world looks at for finding peace. And huga is this Scandinavian practice of trying to develop coziness, of trying to have um, nice uh, kind of blankets around you and, and candles and warmth and warm food. And it's developed out of Scandinavia, but more and more we're reading about it uh, in the UK. And it's helped to bring us that idea of, of wellness and being complete. Or maybe the world just thinks that peace is an absence of war. That if we're not fighting each other, whether that's an international thing or whether it's a, 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 a more local thing, that might find peace in that way. So I don't know how many of those things you perhaps connect with. You've heard the world saying, well, this is how you find peace. What does the Bible say? Oops. That yet? What does the Bible say about finding peace? In the Old Testament, there's a wonderful Hebrew word, and it's a common word that we may be familiar with. There's not many Hebrew words that we kind of might use. 
But it's this word of shalom. Shalom. But that speaks of a wider thing than just a piece that we think of. Shalom speaks of wholeness, of completeness, of sound well-being. It's got a very broad understanding. It encompasses everything about us of shalom, of peace. And we first come across this, um, this idea, or how God reveals himself in this way, in the book of Judges, and this wonderful story of Gideon. Now, Gideon has a brilliant story, and I'm sure we're all very familiar of it. It's in Judges, Judges 6. And this, in this story, God reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom. A God, I am God of peace. And in this story, uh, Gideon is a young man, and he's an Israelite. But Israel has not occupied completely the land that they were given. And there's this group of people there, the baddies, should we hear a boo? Okay, the Midianites. And these Midianites just come in and they come into the land. No one's defending the land. They come in and they take all the crops that Israel are producing. And they eat the crops. And it ends up, as we read in Judges 6, that the Israelites end up hiding away in caves. They're so fearful of these Midianites coming across them. But somehow Gideon has got hold of some wheat. He's got some food. But he needs to separate the chaff from the wheat to get the grain out of the wheat. And normally he'd go to a threshing floor, which was high, put up high, so he could throw all the mixed uh, chaff and wheat, throw it in the air, the chaff gets blown away, the wheat falls down, and the wind takes the chaff, and he can have this pure food. But he's so scared of the Midianites. He tries to find a place where he can secretly winnow this wheat he has. And he thinks, I know, I'll go to a wine press. Now, a wine press is not a good place to winnow wheat. A wine press would be a big um, barrel. We've seen the, the pictures on TV with people kind of putting their feet in and that sort of stuff to crush the grapes down to make the wine. So he goes inside this wine press. There's no wind in this wine press. And he's there with this little bit of grain and he's trying to winnow it, trying to get rid of this chaff, trying to blow, perhaps being blow across it, a pathetic way to try and get grain uh, from this and separate the wheat from the chaff. But as he's doing this, something happens. The Lord appears to Gideon. And the Lord says to him, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Here we have this pathetic figure. (sighs) Trying to winnow this wheat. And the Lord appears to him and calls him a mighty warrior. If you were in that situation, what's the first thing you would do? I would look behind me. Who are you talking to? You're calling me a mighty warrior. Here I am. And we hear the story later. I'm the lowest of the low and this sort of thing. But here I am doing this pathetic thing. But yet God has seen within him as a mighty warrior. And the story goes on. He makes a meal for this, this, the Lord, the angel that's appeared to him. And he makes an altar. And he says there on the altar that the Lord is peace. Jehovah 
Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The war continues. And the rest of the few chapters of Judges tell us how Gideon overcomes the Midianites. He is not removed from that situation. But as God has revealed himself as I am the God of peace, Gideon knows that. And it transforms him into the mighty warrior that can overthrow these Midianites. God has revealed that to him and it changes him. Through the Old Testament, we hear of lots of stories like this, where people are under pressure and God comes and reveals something to them. It's how we can learn so much from the Old Testament about how we can apply it to our lives. That it's, often it's in the times when we are pressurized, God can come and reveal something to you in that time that's going to help you get through that. And whatever that may be, God is able to reveal that to you at that time perfectly. I'm looking this morning at peace. I just want to tell you a brief story about my experience and engaging with stressful times and engaging with a God of peace. I used to be a teacher. And I foolishly became a teacher at about the same time the government started Ofsted. And I was teaching in a school, as probably quite early in my career, and we had the phone call, the dreaded phone call from Ofsted. And in those days, they gave you, I think it was about four months' notice of an Ofsted inspection. Nowadays, it's about eight hours' notice. But in those days, so the whole school went crazy at getting every, everything ready. All our displays were done. Every drawing pin in our school was polished, ready for the Ofsted inspection. On the Wednesday of the inspection week, I had a challenging year nine group. I'm sure all the teachers are able to nod at what that means. But we were doing speed. And I had this great idea. Calculating speed. I was a science teacher. Careful. So I had this brilliant idea. It's even in our textbook to go and measure the speed of cars along a road. We had a very, very large field at my school. So I thought, no Ofsted inspector is going to come out of the school across the field and find me. Great. But of course I felt duty bound. I put on my door, Mr. Portwine, 9P6 physics, we're on the field doing an experiment. Halfway through the lesson, everything's working fine. We've measured out the distance. The kids are there with their stopwatches. It's great. I look behind me to see a dot coming towards me across the field. The dot getting larger 
and larger and larger. And he was not a thin man who was our inspector. And he came to inspect me with this class out on the field. Now, all during that preparation time, I knew and I felt the peace of God in my heart. And that everyone around me is going crazy. But people, colleagues were saying to me, how do you, why are you so calm? And it's because I was experiencing the peace of God. So all through that time, I was able to testify to the peace of God and what he had done to help keep me calm to um, be effective in that school. He'd put me into a pressurized time. You yourself might be in a pressurized time now. We've prayed for some people already this morning in certain areas. There are many other areas. This is a time where God is able to reveal himself to you. He is able to show you another fresh aspect of his character. He is extravagant at being able to show up at that right time and give you whatever you need in that particular moment. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And he's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. How do we achieve that peace? We've seen it's been revealed here that the very nature of God, that he is a God of peace. But sadly, as humans, there's a massive gap between us and God. God is holy. That's some other stuff he reveals to us through the Old Testament. And we find that all the things that we do, the desires we have, wanting to go our own way, our sin, putting ourselves first, forms this great big chasm between us and God. And God wants to issue a rescue plan for us. And if we try and have peace and try and do something that the Bible might say, without first sorting this gap out, without first sorting out this relationship with God, it's like putting a plaster on a gunshot wound. It's not going to work. The first step we must have is to have peace with God. We need to engage, to embrace Jesus. 700 years before Jesus was born, and in a few weeks time we're going to be looking at this particular uh, scripture of Isaiah 9. 700 years before he was born, it was declared For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and skipping forward, he shall be called Prince of Peace. Jesus is prophesied 700 years as Prince of Peace. And we see in here God's extravagance, because God gave his own son, so that we might have peace with God. He gave up his son as a sacrifice. God does not hold back anything. He gives him all of himself to us to fix that gap, 
to allow us to come into that peace and that relationship with our loving Father. He is extravagant. We have peace through the cross. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. He's talking there about Jew and Gentile, Jew and non-Jew, totally divided in Paul's day, now coming together. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Wow! Jesus has brought peace. And he's brought peace in two different directions. He's brought peace first vertically. So we can now have this peace, this relationship with God. He's broken the the curse of sin. He's paid the penalty for sin. And we can now have this vertical relationship with God. He's also broken the horizontal barriers between people groups. In that day, it was between Jew and non-Jew. In our day, it can be between different races. It can be between different sexes. It can be between people who talk differently to you. It can be between people who've got different life experiences. In Christ, we are one. We are one humanity in Christ. We are one new man in Christ. Because he has broken those barriers. And we can rejoice in the extravagance of God that he has shown to us. That we can have that relationship with him. Peace is a person. Peace is not tranquility. It's not some state of mind. It is a person. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. He has left his peace with us. And as we engage with the Holy Spirit, God here on earth, he is able to to give us that peace. Peace is not something we conjure up from within us. We receive it from Jesus. We are dependent upon Jesus giving it to us. How can we remember that it's not about us? How can we remember that we don't have to work things up inside of us? We need something to do that helps us remember that we are desperate for Jesus, that we need Jesus. In his grace, Jesus gave us two things we could do. Traditionally, we call them the sacraments. The sacraments are a physical act we do that reveal an inner spiritual reality. Those two sacraments are breaking bread and baptism. In breaking bread, this is so rich. In breaking bread, 
we realise our lack. We realise we don't have it inside of us. And when we come to the table, we physically reach out of ourselves and take hold of something and draw it into ourselves. What do we take hold of? We take hold of Christ. We take hold of the bread and the wine representing his body and his blood. We recognise the lack in ourselves. We take hold of that and we take it into ourselves. We are nourished. And we we remind ourselves as we do that, we remind ourselves that we need to take hold of Jesus. And in this wonderful sacrament, we take hold of him. We remind ourselves. And as a church community, we try and do this every month. But we can do it as families, as MCOMs. We can take hold of Jesus, recognizing our need and drawing him into ourselves. In our baptism, Oh, in our baptism, we remind ourselves that we are now in Christ. How do we do that? We die with him. As we die in Christ, we are buried under the waters of baptism. But like Christ, we don't stay buried We are brought out to life again. And we can represent that by being brought out of the water, a new creation, new in Christ. And this baptism is a wonderful way of acting that out, the truth of that, to remind ourselves. So when we have baptisms here, uh, 11th of November, a few weeks' time, we can all celebrate and rejoice and remember We are in Christ because we've died with him and we're now living the resurrected life that only Jesus is able to give to us. It's not of ourselves, it's of Christ, of God. He has it all. And in his extravagance, he wants to share that with us so that we can experience the fullness of life that only he is able to provide for us. Peace comes out of our security of being in Christ. Peace comes of us being of our security of being in Christ. It's so important that we grasp that truth that we are in Christ, we now have peace with God. Any sermon on peace must include these few lines from the Philippians. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember, the Lord is near. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. 
So we can pray. We can ask God for help. And as we do that, he will give you a peace. A peace that is beyond understanding. Peace comes because prayer is an expression of trust. And God's people do not have it all figured out in order to trust him. Quote by Gordon Fee, New Testament scholar. Has anyone here got it figured out? Peace comes because prayer is an expression of trust and God's people do not need to have it all figured out in order to trust him. We can trust him. As as Jen was showing earlier, he is faithful. He is faithful. And this peace that we have, this peace is beyond our understanding. We can't understand sometimes. But going back to my Ofsted inspection, you can think, why am I not worried and, and chewed up as everyone else? I can't understand it. Well, of course you can't understand it, Ian. It's because it's beyond your understanding. That's the whole point of it. God can do these things that goes beyond what we can experience, we can imagine. It's beyond our understanding. And finally, he sets a guard around us. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The words there conjure up a picture of a garrison. They conjure up an idea that there's a city wall around you. There are guards in place around that wall who are on a watch system. They are there 24 hours a day. And they are guarding what's inside the city wall. And that city wall is you. They will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. They will prevent things coming in to get you wound up, to get you concerned. Even this morning before preaching, things could happen. And I'm like, no, my heart is guarded. I'm not going to let my peace be affected by these things coming in because God is guarding my heart. We go back into these promises and we claim those promises for ourselves and use scripture to fight against any, any enemy that might want to come in to unsettle us so that we can keep that peace that Christ has won for us. How do we get Peace. Firstly, if you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ this morning, if you would not call yourself a Christian or follower of Jesus, that needs to get sorted out first. As I said earlier, it's like putting, if you try and solve this but get in peace, you need, it's like putting a plaster over a gunshot wound. You need first of all to get your relationship with God sorted out. And that can only happen by embracing Jesus. By coming to Jesus and saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I've gone my own way. I recognize my weakness. I want to turn around and come back, come to you. I want to accept what Christ has done on the cross. I want to go your way. 
I want to follow your plan for my life. And as a community here, we run a course called Alpha. It's running this evening, 7 o'clock. Running this evening. And tonight, the third week, you can just come to this now. There's a dinner as well. You can come to this and you'll hear again in more detail and have opportunity to discuss with with people around you, very low-key, but you can discuss about how Christ achieved this on the cross. What does that mean for Jesus dying for me in in, in my place? And you can start that journey today. You can take that first step to finding peace with God, and you can start that today. Secondly, it might be that you are an anxious person. You know that you are a Christian. You know that you're in Christ, and yet you still have this anxiety and not being peaceful in all, in all the ways. For you, I would say that you have to embrace Jesus You have to understand more your security in Christ. If you're a Christian and you're still worrying about lots of things, understand your security in Christ. We do a course every year called Freedom in Christ, which looks at these sorts of issues. Our next one starts in January. We'll start advertising, I guess, before Christmas. So if this is an issue for you, Listen out for that course, and I would encourage you to go on that course. Because as you understand the security you have in Christ, you get hold of that. You understand that God is for you, that you are precious in his sight. He's got plans for you, and that he, is, he, wants, the, the, he wants the best for you. And through the course, and just encourage you anyway, is to get into the Bible, to read God's word. Get the hold of those truths in your life. Dig deeply into this extravagant God. There's so much to engage with, so much to learn. We can get into God's word and we can then understand the truth. That's all the freedom in Christ does. It pushes into the word of God. It pushes us into embracing Jesus to invite the Holy Spirit to come and reveal things and help us become secure in Christ. And as we understand more of what God has done, it naturally will lead us to worship. It will naturally lead us to expressing our gratitude to God for what he has done for us, the truths he's done, the truths he's revealed to us, the things he's done for us that we don't deserve the grace he has shown for us, and we turn to worship. And thirdly and finally, from that place of security, it might be that you are in a ministry, that God is using you to minister and to help others, and that you're able to point others to the bounty of the Lord, the extravagant provision of the Lord. If you are in that position and you are looking to minister that love, you need to embrace Jesus. And show others 
that peace is available to them as well. And this can work at on a many different scale levels. It could be you as an individual, amongst your friends, amongst your family, that you are able to live a life that's peace-filled, that people get to notice and people ask you questions. How do you live like that? What is it you have that I don't have? I'm still doing my meditation, my breathing exercises. It's not working for me. You haven't sorted out the basics. Get that relationship with God first. And that's the message you give them, to draw them into that. So it could be an individual. It could be in families. It could be you are called to help a minister into a family situation. As a church community here, we're involved in two charities, Home for Good and Safe Families for Children. Safe Families for Children is helping people, um, providing a people who can look after children to give respite care to another family who are going through a difficult time, need some time together, and you can look, you end up looking after a family of, as of, of kids uh, for a period of time, for a short period of time. We've got many families that linked up to Safe Families for Children. And sometimes we see kids here who appear. We know, who are they there? Oh, it's just a, a safe family looking after. We're also involved in a charity called Home for Good. Home for Good is a charity that encourages fostering and adoption amongst, amongst churches. Monday last week, we had our third family approved to foster to adopt in this church. That means a life is changed around. As we draw a life of a child out of turmoil often and put them into a family of peace, a family of love, that can share the love of Christ with them. And we do what we can to make this a safe place to bring people with those sorts of backgrounds. That's why we don't allow or request we don't have photography or videoing in here. It's not to annoy people. It's to make this a safe place for families to come with, with children that are vulnerable. It might be peace on that massive, amazing international scale. We have someone in the church who's involved in trying to get peace in the Middle East. He's committed his life, sorry, he's committed his sit at the moment anyway, he's working full time on a project to bring peace to the Middle East and other countries that are war-torn and really struggling. It's not something we can talk about publicly because of the countries that are involved. But there are many of us who support this gentleman and his family as he seeks in God's grace and mercy to get to that top level of international peace work across nations. And he works with ambassadors. He goes to governments. We have people in their jobs here who are working into countries at government level through their jobs to try and bring peace into situations, financial issues, helping financial um, education in, in, in different countries. Just last year, we had a, a student here who was working at international level at interfaith issues 
to try and get Muslims and Christians understanding each other and talking together. And she would go off onto conferences where she would help explain the Christian faith and listen and learn from brothers who are of different faiths, brothers and sisters who are of different faiths. We can only do that because we understand God's extravagance to us. And it's from that extravagance we can then also be generous and minister to the world around us. Secure ourselves in Christ and bringing that blessing of God and the peace of God to everyone else that we come across. I wonder if we could stand. I'd like us to end this morning saying slightly different. I'm going to put up um, a couple of scriptures. And I'd like us to say these scriptures together. The first one, I've, I've changed it slightly. Just to, it's, I've changed it from you to me. So we'll first start off talking about ourselves, praying for ourselves. And then the final scripture is praying for each other and blessing each other. So why don't you say with me? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify me through and through. May my whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls me is faithful and he will do it. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace At all times and in every way, the Lord be with all of you. Hallelujah. What I'd like us to do now is the band come up. I'd just like us to share a blessing of peace amongst us. So I want to encourage you to try and say, three or four people around you, bless them with the peace of God. Please try not to get too chatty. We can do the chat with coffee. But just four or five people around where you are, just bless them with the peace of God and then we'll go back into worship and focus on Jesus that way. So just around you now, three or four people, just wander around and share the peace. May the peace of the Lord be with you. (laughs) And also with you. (laughs) 